Welcome to Tony Steak Podcast. Welcome to the Tony Steak Podcast, episode 360. I'm Sean, and joined with me, we have Off-Road Andy. Hello. And Tony Katz. Hello. Thanks for tuning in. Hit that subscribe button, share with a friend, and check out our entertainment podcast right after this. Got some good stuff to get to. Uh, we're going to start right off the bat with the NBA. A lot of, not a lot of news in the NBA this past week, so... Uh, we're going to start with the most recent news, and uh, that is the Bucks have fired their head coach, Adrian Griffin, uh, after only 43 games. So he was uh, hired this this year uh, to replace uh, Mike Budenholzer, who they kind of grew tired of, even though he'd won a title with them. They a lot of disappointment for the Bucks, and so with the new uh, coach, they thought things would be different, and I, I guess they were different, and uh, the team really didn't like him because they were 30-13. and 13. Not a bad record, but obviously things... Uh, weren't working out with him and the team so where was he even from again like how did they even come across this guy i don't know i mean he was in the nba for a while um i just found out today his son is aj griffin who's on the hawks had a had a solid rookie year but hasn't really played much for them this year but uh yeah there was a story from the beginning of the year where uh, the bucks hired terry stotts the uh, longtime portland coach uh, as an assistant and he quit the team before the season started, which was kind of a red flag. Like, why did this veteran coach who was, you know, Damian Lillard's head coach for many years, why did he just quit, yeah. you know, right before the season even started? And uh, some personal issues there with uh, Adrian Griffin. So uh, right now the Bucks have an interim coach, but the rumor is that they want to bring in someone with some experience. And uh, the number one candidate is Doc Rivers. So Ooh. Uh, if you've been annoyed by him on TV, maybe he uh, won't be on TV very much longer. I, I feel like Doc Rivers, will, that could work out. It's kind of funny to think, too, because he coached the Celtics. He coached the 76ers. And, you know, they now it'd be funny if he did end up coaching the Bucks because that means he would have coached all three of the, you know, main top three probably teams in the East for the last, you know, consistently for the last uh, five years or so. So that would be kind of funny. <clears throat> All right, we well, want to move on to more Sixers talk here. Yeah, uh, Sean, Sean, you would have, you maybe you would have enjoyed if this game was on TNT yesterday because Joel Embiid put up seventy points. Whoa! And it's kind of funny because Andy and I were actually watching a, a college basketball game and they were showing it on the ticker. And I think he said it first when he was like, "Oh my God, Embiid already has twenty-two in the first quarter or something like that." It was twenty-two or twenty-four, and then it was like we were so we were monitoring it, and then you know when he had around like. 60 points or something all of a sudden we're looking at i'm like oh shit they showed the minnesota timberwolves game and carl anthony towns had 48 at or 40 yeah 48 at halftime and sean guess what he was eight of nine from three in the first half and he i know how jumped, you feel about his jump shot he only jumped one time say, in that entire game. shot yeah and so and beat ended up with 70 and carl anthony towns ended up with 62 and the ironic thing here about this sean is that was also uh yesterday was also the i believe the 18th anniversary of kobe bryant's 81 point game yeah it sure was which i'm glad to see is still intact um in this game that we play now where let's just well, take it away from you <laughs> yeah well, someone will pass him eventually, I think, and that scares me because uh, I don't. Well, want I don't that know, though, Sean. You got to think about it. Embiid with seventy is a uh, that's not a that's you know, amazing I mean, I for uh, you know a, a power forward and center I, I think kind I of a guy. I saw that they said that he is one of three. Well, I mean, players or like something like that that have been centers or whatever that have had seventy. I think they said it him, David Robinson, and obviously Wilt Chamberlain. I also don't but like that though because that's not helping my case of. 
dismantling them and the Celtics from being the national teams because uh, I I see a Sixers game. It's like ah, I'm not watching it. I don't care because they're on every they're on right now. I don't even know if they're actually playing, but they have a camera facing Embiid or Tobias or someone. It's obnoxious. Well, they are good, and Embiid yeah. is worth watching um, most of most of the night. So, yeah, his last year's MVP, probably, I would assume right now. I haven't really looked at it, but at the way he's playing lately, I would assume the favorite again. I saw, I heard something today about like since sometime in like you know for basically the last month, uh, since December uh, something. I can't remember the date off the top of my head. He is averaging forty points a game, so he's wow. on this like ridiculous stretch right now. And uh, yeah, kudos to him. But uh, I know and, uh, Andy was saying too that. Um, in this game with Minnesota, they were winning by, like you know, they played the Charlotte Hornets, who, you know, Minnesota's one of the top teams in the West. Charlotte's one of the bottom teams in the East. And, you know, this is when things can get tricky and when a player's hot like this because the players just want to feed him the ball. And uh, Minnesota ended up losing in the second half or losing the game. And, uh, you know, they were trying to give Towns the ball a lot. And I guess, you know, there was, Andy was saying there was reports that came out talking about how they were talk trying to get him points because they knew Embiid had 70 when it was like halftime or something like that. And, but, uh, yeah, they ended up losing, but apparently there were some bad calls, though, that should have gone Minnesota's way that didn't. Yeah, Towns had a chance to, uh, I think, tie the game. Yeah, they were down he three. Got, he got fouled, and was they, a three didn't, pointer, they didn't call too. the foul. So, yeah. he could have added some extra points to his total there. And, and if, if he would have gone to overtime, uh, he would have hit more, 70, you know? yeah. Uh, but, yeah, I think it's it's more concerning that you, you lost this game. And, yeah, yeah. so at halftime, they knew that Embiid had this great game, and they knew that Towns was having this great game, and they – Wanted to have him, you know, pass Embiid's point total, but uh, they lose the game and don't get that done. And now Towns, that should be like the greatest moment of his career, is uh, probably going to be a little sour uh, thinking back on it. But uh, we do have some other news of uh, Eastern Conference teams that uh, have been among the top teams in the Eastern Conference that Tony rudely didn't mention when he said the Bucks, Sixers, <laughs> and Celtics. Uh, the fourth team to that mix, I'd say, is the Miami Heat. And uh, maybe they'll be back there again because they made a key move today, uh, acquiring Terry Rozier from the Charlotte Hornets, uh, giving uh, Kyle Lowry uh, away. Uh, it's past his time for Kyle Lowry. It is, unfortunately. Um, not doing much for them right now. So they traded him in a future pick. And they're getting back Terry Rozier, who is someone who can help. I don't know if he'll start on the team, but he's you know a guy who's can put in 20 when, he, when you need him to or when you want him to. And... Uh, just a, a solid rotational guy at the least. I mean, with Charlotte, he's one of those guys who will average 20 a game on a bad team, but you know, yeah. not great efficiency. But he's still a worthwhile player. He had some nice moments for, in the playoffs for the Celtics way back when. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you remember the, those old days. That was like his first year or something, yeah, too. Yeah, first couple of years uh, playing with Jalen Brown and Tatum back then. Um, yeah, Scary Terry's a good player. He's, yeah. he's good to watch. He does, like you say, he does help. Uh, he does, you know. His numbers look always really good on those lesser teams, but I think he's he's proven though he can play on these teams, and I think he'll you know adds he's a, he's an upgrade from Lowry. That's what's important for Miami. They are getting an upgrade, yes. and wow. another team's getting an upgrade here too, huh? Another team that wants to be in that conversation in the East, the Indiana Pacers, who we've come to enjoy um, offensively at least. Yeah, uh, acquiring a two way player, so maybe someone who could help their defense a little, a little bit, but also help them uh, running on running the the courts. Uh, Pascal Siakam finally traded from the Raptors. So, uh, he, he goes way back with that team, I think since 2017, uh, part of the, the finals winning team, of course. Uh, been in trade rumors for like four years, it seems like. Finally onto a new team, uh, going to the Pacers, uh, for Bruce Brown, 
which was a little bit of a surprise. Bruce Brown was a big free agent acquisition from the Pacers. Uh, good glue guy, you know, helped the Nuggets win a title last year. Um, but he's also going with three first round picks. So I think, you know, a couple of those will probably end up being the twenties and it'll be a, a gamble on the last one. Um, but yeah, Bruce Brown is now in the Raptors and now he is a big trade target because the Raptors are probably not going to keep him. They'll have to wait, uh, and do something with him. But they said the Lakers definitely, that's their number one target. Uh, they'd like to get Bruce Brown there because he's just, you know, an energy guy, a hustle guy, rebounds, yeah, plays them, defense, passes. Hits threes. Mm-hmm. It's just a lot of little things that he does, and you could plug him in a bunch of different lineups. So uh, he'll be attractive there. But I think Siakam is a better overall player, and I think fits with what, what they're trying to do. Uh, My only concern was, and I, I mean, I'm sure it's it'll be fine. But like the Pacers so far this year have been known for just being such a high paced, you know, score heavy team. You know, averaging like over 120 a game. Like I wonder, like when you bring in a guy like this who is now probably your best all around player on the team. Like, does he? He's not. He's still not better than Halliburton. He's, you don't think he is? He's a better, better two way player, but Halliburton yeah. is like gotten to be a top ten guy now. Um, just yeah, leading maybe. the team. Uh, but yeah, Siakam said he plays defense and he runs the floor, so I think he'll okay. fit in. All right. Uh, well, I mean, and I don't but, think you would get somebody that would is going to already be in your starting lineup that couldn't do that. Mm-hmm. At least run the floor. That's what they like to do. All right. Well, we'll see how that ends up working out for Indiana. I think I like that Indiana is making these moves, saying, "Hey, you know, like we're." I think that is a great pickup for my, I mean, uh, Indiana. I think that can help them and maybe make them be like, hey, we, we're not just a fun team that's here. Like we, we have goals to win a championship as well. And I mean, maybe they can compete with, you know, the higher teams in the East, like the, you know, Boston, Milwaukee, Philly, Miami, like we've talked about, Cleveland. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Cleveland's been really good too. So those are definitely probably the, you know, teams to watch out for. But, uh, we've got, uh, some, uh, a sad story here. Uh, out of Golden State, when uh, one of their um, assistant coaches, yeah, I'm going to let you say this name, Andy. Dejan Milojevic, uh, a, a Serbian man, uh, someone very big in the Serbian basketball community, I, I believe. I'm, maybe I'm confusing. There's too many of them, you know. I think he's Serbian. The Serbians are, now that's a Serbian name. Yeah. Well, I mean, they're all sound. Very similar. But I watch to, a lot of like they the, used to be one country back in the day. I watch a lot of the European soccer, and it's like I know, but there's a lot of those guys. Could you tell the difference between Croatian and Serbian no, and Slovenian? Point. They used to be all one nation. So. Yeah, no, you're right, Croatia. Um, and but Serbia. I believe he is is Serbian. Uh, with like Jokic, was you know the most famous Serbian right now. Uh, but yeah, big big in that world, and you know very very beloved. And uh, it's cool when you get these international coaches coming over, um, especially coming over to Steve Kerr's staff. You know, guys. Won championships and has also uh, had good assistants that have gone on to, to bigger things and everything. So um, it's a good a good find, a good opportunity for him, um, and pretty terrible that he he's a young guy too. Like he was he was forty six, so it's not like they brought over you know a seventy five year old who's you know lived through the Civil War and smokes <laughs> thirty packs a day or something. Uh, a younger guy, um, you know, still has kids, young kids. And uh, he had a heart attack at at dinner while they're on the road, uh, and some you know other assistants were there, and other you know people on the team were there, and basically saw a guy die. So it's pretty yeah, pretty horrible. Um, yeah, I know they they were supposed to play a game like that the next night or something because didn't it happen at like a team dinner the night before or something. Yeah, so I I don't know how they played yet. They had a couple games postponed already. Yeah, they had the game against Utah postponed, and then another 
game, I believe, yesterday or the day before that was also postponed. Yeah, I don't think they've played since then, so. Yeah, taking some some time off. Because, yeah, like I said, I mean, there's definitely some some trauma there. I saw a dog die in front of me like a few, like a couple months ago, and that was pretty traumatizing. So I can only imagine seeing a human pretty much die in front of you. Yep. Well, is that it for basketball? Ready to talk about some uh, baseball? Yeah, let's move on to some baseball. We had uh, some some signings have happened, and uh, you want to start from the best one to the worst, or the worst to the best, or like yeah, just know, start. Cool. Yeah, we'll start off hot here. Yeah, uh, interesting one because it involves a team that's actually good. Uh, Josh Hader, the great closer from the Brewers and most recently Padres, uh, finally off the market here. Five years, ninety-five million, going to Houston. Which was interesting is Houston has a closer, Ryan Presley, who's been pretty solid, but also, you know, very, very good in the playoffs for him. A lot of opportunities in that postseason. Uh, but I guess they, they asked him and then said, would you be fine, you know, taking a lesser role here? Because I think, Hater, you're paying this, this kind of money. He's definitely going to close for him. Um, but it's, it's a lot of, a lot of years to give to a closer. Closers sometimes are, you know, volatile. They'll be really good, and then two years later, they're terrible. Josh Hader himself had a really rough stretch. Yeah, he a couple brought years himself ago. back last season with uh, San Diego. Yeah, um, but yeah, this is the kind of moves that teams that are really good make because it adds a little bit extra. So the Astros it's, are just always going to be in in the mix there. It's kind of sad to look at the Padres because it's like they've, you know, they had this. I mean, not saying they still have some decent players, but it's like to say that they had some. Uh, they had like what well, potentially like a lot of you know fun team where they had Tatis, but then he was like banged up. They had Machado, you have Soto, Josh Hader, you know, er, you know, a couple other guys, uh, Bogarts now and stuff. And it's like you know they're slowly losing them. Hader's now in Houston. Soto's with the Yankees. Snell still has not signed yet. So. Okay, Snell's still, still trying to find a home. Yeah, uh, but we did see another couple starting pitchers uh, come off the market here on smaller deals here. Uh, Jordan Hicks going to the Giants, four years, forty-four million. And uh, Robert Stevenson going to the Angels, three years, $33 million. So, uh, you know, the Angels, they always always can use starting pitching. Uh, but this is kind of one of those lower deals, uh, similar to what they got Tyler Anderson for. And that didn't really – I'm not going to say it was terrible, but it didn't didn't work out. He didn't deliver like an all-star type season for him. But yeah. uh, at least a guy you can throw out there in your rotation. Uh, so now the Angels will have another option there. Uh, but yeah, not 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 gonna change the franchise here unless uh, Mike Trout uh, goes back in time, becomes five years ago Mike Trout or something. And even then, yeah. that doesn't get you anywhere. We've seen that. We know it. Prime Mike Trout gotcha, and it was like eighty-one wins. So, uh, but you know, the Angels got to do stuff. They got to do something. They still yeah, that's been. Team. You know, they said the Angels are the only team without a playoff win since the iPad was invented. That's a good marker. But, yeah, I did see something about, like, playoff wins since a certain year. But, yeah, that's rough. I mean, who was their last playoff series win? I mean, they got to the ALCS that one year when Boston beat them, right? It was the year they – did they beat the Yankees in the – Yeah, I feel – In the ALDS. And then, like, I remember, like, Jeff Mathis hitting a double off Mariano Rivera. I just have it in my mind for some reason, being like, this should have never happened, but – yeah, because they, they always would randomly play the Yankees good, I feel like. When the Yankees were, like, really good, and then it was like the Angels were just kind of, like, yeah. you know, had, like, Garrett Anderson still and stuff, and Troy Gloss, it's like Erstad. It's like they'd go to New York and randomly. Well, that was, like, yeah, that was the year they won the World Series to beat the Yankees. Yeah, no, I know. I was at the game. I was actually at a game three or four, whatever it was. You when they Denzel, I think they swept Washington. them. Or did they sweep them that year? I don't know. I know they, they swept could've. the Twins. I feel like they took the Yankees out in, like, four or something. Yeah. 
four or five, but they definitely swept the Twins. I remember that. Now, if you like talking about old baseball, we've got this next story is for you. Uh, And it's about the Baseball Hall of Fame. We got the uh, results for this year's voting, and uh, we got three new Hall of Fame members, two on the first ballot, which uh, I think is a surprise. Uh, The first balloters are Adrian Beltre and Joe Maurer. So uh, I'd say very different careers. Beltre, uh, very, very long career. I believe he debuted with the Dodgers as a teenager uh, and played 20 years across a bunch of different teams. Uh, I believe he won a World Series with... um, the Red Sox, I believe the 2013 yeah. Red Sox, uh, and might have played in some other ones. He was with the Rangers for a while, played with the Mariners. Uh, when he was with the Dodgers, the Dodgers were not good. Um, mm-hmm. But then he went off and had a great MVP-type season. They made the playoffs, but got swept, I think, that year, and then went off to Seattle. Uh, but yeah, definitely deserving Hall of Famer in my mind, but one of those guys that was like never thought of really as one of the best five players um, even though, like I said, that one year, 2004, he, he was, he was incredible. Um, I'll always remember that year. Uh, just a, what, I was a 14 year old boy watching Dodgers in the summer. Adrian <laughs> Beltre, who was like always a massive disappointment. Like this guy's supposed to be great and he hits 260. Uh, but that year he hit like 330 with 50 home runs. Always great defense. Um, yeah. and then Joe Maurer, uh, I'd say more, he had so much promise, and then he didn't live up to it, and then he did live up to it, but then just not long enough in my mind. Uh, but he won three batting titles as a catcher, so that's just super and one hard. of those seasons was like over three sixty or three seventy, right? So yeah, so he's uh, I think deserving. I think first ballot is surprising to me, like not I, a lot I of postseason success. I was gonna say, yeah, definitely never won a ring, never even got close to probably getting there. I mean, did, was this an ALCS team at one point? No, I remember the Twins hadn't won a series in forever that's until right. this year. Um, but the last series so yeah, they probably he, had won was like right before they lost the I think Angels it was, or something. Yeah, I think it was the beating, they beat the A's that the year. That was the year too, the Moneyball's based mm-hmm. off of, for you people that like that movie. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, he would have made it eventually, but I was surprised first ballot. I mean, also Joe yeah. Bauer is one of those guys who has the story of, you know, Florida State wanted him as a quarterback and he played baseball instead. So, um, yeah, And then yeah, we I'm also sure. have, we have another guy here. He was a big gold glover guy too, so I mean. Oh, yeah. Um, but we have another guy who also was a, a real college football player. Uh, this is a, a famous story. Uh, Todd Heldon of the Colorado Rockies uh, getting in the Hall of Fame after uh, multiple years of, of voting there. But just a, again, a lengthy career of being a good hitter. Um, of course, the Coors Field inflated his stats probably. But um, I think you also give give him a little credit for never leaving the Rockies. Um, he stayed. He's, yeah. he's their He's their career guy in my mind. Like, that's who I'll I'll think of with the Rockies. Obviously, they had a lot of good players over the years, um, but he was there for almost 20 years, was on the World Series team, the the one World Series. Is uh, Larry Walker in the Hall of Fame? His counterpart? Because that's always, when I think of the Rockies, that's what I always think of was Larry Walker. Larry Walker was only there for like a few years. But that's what I think about the Rockies, though. That's when I, when I first was, remember watching baseball, Todd Helton, when I remember Todd Helton, I remember Larry Walker batting in front of him, and then they'd have like Dante Bichette on that team, too. It was a, and everybody was yeah. hitting six, 50, home, 40 home runs. So those three all made it. Uh, they need to get 75% of the votes, or 75% of the writers need to vote for them. Uh, just falling short is uh, Billy Wagner, 73.8%, uh, the great closer. Uh, he will be on his last year on the ballot next year, and it's pretty much all but guaranteed he will get elected. He's that, yeah, that he's close. close. They The writers like to do this, play these little games. Um, but for Gary Sheffield, uh, it's a little too late for him. Uh, this was his final year. He got 63.9%. 
So Gary Sheffield is not going to be in the Hall of Fame elected by the writers. You can always get in later. Uh, they have like the veteran committee or something that votes people in. But uh, yeah, just one of those players who very good. You know, won a World Series of the Marlins. Played a long time as being a pretty good player, but you know, not like one of the all-time greats. So, uh, but some other big names there. Uh, a Rod on his third year. Well, they're punishing him. A Rod's going to get in there. You think so? Even I think despite so. the steroid stuff, I do. I think. I think by six years from now, people aren't going to be holding it that much against him. And he's also in TV. I feel like that's his way of being like, I'm cool. Yeah. Yeah, Manny Ramirez, uh, he's nearing the end. I don't, I don't know think if he's, he's going to I don't it. think he's going to make it. Uh, definitely should, though. Like, let's oh, say, I, I, don't, I hate all this I, shit. Manny Ramirez belongs to the fucking oh, Hall of Fame. Oh, those years with Cleveland, and then even when he came, and he yeah. they called him Manny Wood in L.A. He rejuvenated them. And let's say, speaking of Cleveland, Omar Vizquel, yeah. he's not going to make it because he, uh, he got canceled. He committed sexual assault or something or oh, accused of it, so I don't think it's ever going to happen for him. And also, he was he was more of a... Gold glove guy, like yeah. he was. Him and Roberto Alomar just do great doing the little double plays and stuff. Uh, and then Chase Utley in his first year, only twenty eight percent. He's going to be one of those fringe cases as well. Yeah. I mean, he'll for, get in like his seventh, eighth season for his a four year period. Chase Utley was maybe the best player in all of baseball, playing second base. He was like always the number one pick in fantasy because it's like you get you twenty yeah. steals. He's playing second base and you know a bunch of home runs. But uh, I'm sure uh, Mac. Put him on his ballot, uh, definitely. Um, and then I do want to talk about the guys that got votes, but for the first and only time, because you have to get on 5% of the ballots uh, during your first year in order to continue on the ballot. Uh, so these guys, uh, or some people got zero votes, but uh, let's see. Jose Bautista, uh, it was a fun, fun little run there. Uh, we all enjoyed him. Not going to make the Hall of Fame here. Uh, Victor Martinez, pretty good catcher. Uh, kind of the same thing with Bautista. Had a couple good seasons, but we can't just be letting everybody into the Hall of Fame. Yeah. Bartolo Colon belongs in the Hall of Fame. I, played yeah. 45 years, but it's not happening. And also, he he won a couple Cy Youngs, I feel like. Or at least one. one at least one. Yeah, he won the, the one with the Angels. But I, have, I, mean, I have that little statue somewhere. Uh, Matt Holliday, pretty good player. Yeah, same his, thing. Maybe his son will make the Hall of Fame. We've yeah. seen those highlights. Yeah. Uh, Adrian Gonzalez won an MVP um, and had some good years. Uh Big for me, like he he helped turn around the Dodgers when they they acquired him, uh, fan favorite. But yeah, not in the Hall of Fame. Brandon Phillips, uh, and then the last two, Jose Reyes and James Shields. Like, all right, guys, you guys aren't going to make it. Yeah, um, Jose Reyes had like two like pretty fantastic seasons because again he could steal and he was yeah. another guy that was fun to have on like when he would play fantasy baseball or even play MLB the Show or something. You just you know do a, your own drafted team. He was always really good. But again, we can't just be letting everybody into the Hall of Fame because I mean even James Shields had a couple good few good pitching seasons as well where he, you know, all-star and stuff like that. But yeah. now another name here I think we'll end up getting in is uh, Carlos Beltran, 57% on his second ballot. Mm. Uh, he seems like one of those guys that might climb over the years. You know? yeah, Andrew Jones will get it close too, 61% on seven times. Yeah, I don't think it's going to happen. You don't um, think he's got 14% in him? If he was merely bad with the Dodgers instead of being one of the all-time worst signing busts, I think maybe. But yeah, that run... Like, if you go back in time and say 1999, like, is Hendrick Jones going to make the Hall of Fame? Like, yeah. Like, oh, yeah. Started his career with, like, five straight gold gloves and was a pretty good hitter and won World Series and everything. But uh, career didn't end the way it started for him. But, yeah, that was fun. I like talking about 90s baseball players. Well, are we ready to talk about some NHL? How we can. We've got... 
We got an update on Corey Perry. Remember we talked about him a month or so ago, uh, having some some troubles. Yeah. So uh, Corey Perry, we uh, we did mention it uh, um, yeah, a month ago before the holidays about how he was on the Blackhawks and he was leaving the team or was like the, you know, leave of absence or whatever. And then it turned into like, then rumors started spreading about like that he had, you know, had sexual relations with Connor Bedard's mom. And then it comes out that no, he was actually just an alcohol. He's had admitted he had trouble with alcohol and had to go, uh, basically, I guess he checked himself into some sort of rehab or something and, you know, left the team. The team did end up releasing him, but, uh, Obviously, he's uh, done whatever he's needed to do because uh, a team has now decided to sign him, and that is the Edmonton Oilers, who um, currently are on a 13-game winning streak, and they are hosting the Columbus Blue Jackets tonight as huge favorites, like minus 350 or something, which is ridiculous for a hockey game, but they're big favorites, and um, yeah, they will. Um, we will see if they can uh, get the job done tonight in a... Uh, or if they can make it 14 in a row. So, uh, and you know, what's funny about Corey Perry is he had that stretch too, where it was like randomly like three years in a row, he was in the Stanley cup, you know, cause he was on like the, I forget what teams he was on, but I know one of the years he was on like Tampa Bay or against Tampa. Or no, he had lost like two straight Stanley cups or three straight. Cause I think he was on, um, I feel like the, the, during the COVID year, didn't like the Canadians randomly make it like, didn't we have an East versus East Stanley cup or something weird like that? Because it was all separated into like, weird brackets where it was like the Canadians versus the lightning in the Stanley cup. I think that's what happened in 2020. And I think he was on the Canadians and then he was, uh, yeah, let's, uh, I'm pretty sure if my memory serves right that, Oh no, Dallas, he was on Dallas that year too, but I know Corey Perry, um, if we could find him here. Yeah. Let's just, uh, see where, just uh, yeah, no, I am, but he's, uh, yeah. Cause he's, uh, I know it was like three years in a row, four years in a row, that he did that. And it's now what I basically, what I'm getting at is Edmonton is a, uh, is a good enough team that they can get back in there. So it's just kind of funny that he ends up just being one of those players. So yeah, it was Dallas, Montreal and Tampa Bay three years in a row that he got there because the yeah Canadians did have that weird season uh, during COVID or whatever that they had to face uh, that it was East versus East because they put it in brackets because Canada didn't even want anybody to like leave the country. So you had to have uh Everybody in uh, Canada, they're, they're like the eight Canadian teams were all just their own, their own uh, like league. There was it was like East versus West versus Canada that year, and uh, yeah, the Canadians ended up uh, getting there. But as we all remember, that just a weird, weird time in sports that year. Shortened baseball season, sh- basketball playing in a bubble, uh, and then hockey. Just uh, strange times. That crazy to think uh, pushing like four years ago since it all happened. Yeah. But yeah, good for Corey Perry, I guess. We'll see what happens. Yeah. Well, we've got a golf story. Yeah, so this past weekend was the uh, American Express Tournament, which is a PGA tournament. It's actually at uh, uh, in, pa- in La Quinta over in the Palm Springs <laughs> area. What happened? All right. Sorry. <laughs> All right, so... Andy somehow just found this photo of Corey Perry on the internet of him giving a hug to Vladimir Putin. Oh, wow. <laughs> and it's the most random thing. 
And I had no idea. Andy just started laughing. And I'm like not looking at the computer screen. I looked up and all of a sudden I just see Corey Perry embracing. It even says Perry embracing Russian President Vladimir Putin after winning the gold medal at the 2016 IIHF World Championships in Moscow. So very interesting. Sorry. But uh, anyway, uh, yes. Yeah, so there was a golf tournament this weekend in La Quinta, Palm Springs. Uh, producer Luke actually he uh, was out there because his uh, family has a house on the sixth hole. So they had a very good view of the game or the, the golf. And um, what's interesting, Sean, is that uh, or to everybody out there is that the golf tournament was won by an amateur. Uh, I believe his name's Nick Dunlap, but I know his last name is Dunlap. I think it's Nick Dunlap. And he's like a 19 or 20 year old that still attends the University of Alabama. And the thing that sucks is that because he's an amateur, he actually doesn't get the uh, the prize money. So the guy that got second place ends up coming down with the you know few million dollars or whatever the purse was. But uh, yeah, pretty cool for um, for him. I mean, that's definitely a moment he'll remember. And I uh, what we also wanted to point out that he is the first just to show tell let everybody know how rare this is that happened. He's the first amateur to win. Uh, a PGA tournament since Phil Mickelson did it in 1991. So, yeah, very, uh, very rare thing to have happen. So, uh, congratulations to him. And I know because he did that, it automatically lets him be able to, I think, join the, be in the Masters and like another tournament or something like that. I think, like, basically the majors, I think he's allowed to be in because he won this or something. But, uh, oh, very cool. Would have probably enjoyed that payday. But maybe uh, he'll, you know, get some sponsors or something or maybe people will reach out to him. I'm sure uh, something will happen. Yeah. All right. Well, let's close out with the NFL. Yeah, I'm going to. I have just one little quick story about the NFL. Um, last week on, uh, I believe it was Wednesday. I was in a donut shop in the area, in the Orange County area. And this guy walks in, you know, looked like about my age, plus or minus a few years. And he's in there with his daughter. And, you know, I'm not thinking anything of it. It's the morning. It's the donut shop. And as a little bit of time goes by, I actually, like, as I'm waiting for my uh, ham and cheese croissant, I s- notice him. I, l- I started looking at him again and realized what he's wearing. And he's got on a New Mexico Lobos sweatshirt. And then he had on Miami Dolphins uh, sweats. And I put one plus one plus one together and realized that it was none other than Miami Dolphins kicker Jason Sanders, who did attend your guys' alma mater. And he is uh, he was just in the area, and I was like, oh, I forget, because they had just gotten eliminated from the Chiefs in that negative 27-degree game, which is what it felt like with the wind chill. And, you know, I didn't say anything to him because he honestly didn't even really look – I mean, I wouldn't have said anything to him anyway. The only thing – there's only one thing I would have wanted to say to him, and I'm being dead serious about this – I don't give a shit about like, you know, what he has to say about like the NFL, the story, you know, whatever. He's a, he's a good kicker, but it's like, you know, I'm not interested. I'm not, you know, one of those guys that's just like, you know, bothers people. But the one thing I would have asked him is, tell me you have a Ray Finkel jersey. That's all I would have wanted to know. Because how can you be the actual kicker of the Miami Dolphins if you don't at least own like a, a nice Ray Finkel jersey, I feel like, you know? Well, he was a bad guy. He was a murderer, so. That's true. But that was before he like turned into like a whatever he did with his life in that movie. But um, yeah, that was, uh, that's all I would have said, but it was still like, yeah, cool. You know, he's in the area, but um, yeah, I just wanted to throw that out there that, you know, ran into a professional kicker. But what's cool about that timing too, is that literally four days prior, he was in the 
AFC wildcard game against the Kansas City Chiefs, uh, kicking field goals in 20 to in negative 20 below. So pretty crazy. And he was wearing sandals, so I did take a look at his foot to think like that is a $22 million foot, which it is. But that actually reminds me really quickly of a funny story with Ronaldo when he was taking an ice bath one time or something and one of the, or like was getting his feet like massage or something was going on. And one of the guys walked by an American guy that's on the team. And he said like one of his first encounters with them was he looked at him and said like, Oh, you're getting your feet like, you know, something like making a joke with him or something. And he said, my friend, these feet are worth a billion euros or something like that. <laughs> he just kind of was like, okay, it's true. But yeah, but we do have more football news here. Yeah, we got more uh, coaching slash GM news. So the first one is uh, the Raiders uh, have their new uh, team in place here. Uh, they did keep Antonio Pierce as their head coach. So the players really wanted him and fought for him. Yeah, my uh, my mom's a Raiders fan. She lives out in Vegas, and she was con- legit worried because she's like, you know, Mason Crosby said that he's going to leave. And I'm like, Mom, he's saying that because they want this coach to stay. So guys that are... Big names are stepping up to defend and say, hey, well, this is the guy we want. Like, listen to us. I was like, he's not going anywhere. <laughs> yeah, so he is staying with the team, although, uh, you know, the Raiders make uh, changes all the time. So, uh, oh, I mean, yeah. he's going to be there for a decade. Uh, but they also uh, had to hire a GM, and they uh, they <laughs> found a guy with uh, some good experience, some good AFC West experience. Uh, they hired Tom Telesco. Uh, the Chargers GM for the last 10 years, who was... Just got fired. Uh, ironically fired after losing to the Raiders by 40 points on national television. He knew what he was doing. <laughs> so, <laughs> Make you guys look uh, good. And then but yeah, some, some debate on the internet about how effective Telesco is. Like uh, A lot of people were like, well, the teams were talented, so he did his job. And it's like, well, the teams were also... Didn't have a lot of depth. And here's, you know, never hit on picks after the third round, all kinds of stuff. But, uh, you know, he's probably fine. I don't, I don't think... I don't think he's... The number one reason why they didn't win, the Chargers didn't have as much success, but also he could have made better moves. It's it's all, it gets complicated, but I think he's fine. I don't think it's a it's a bad hire. But uh, the Raiders, um, you know, there'll be a whole team. It's not going to be all on him. So um, I'd say his record is better than the Raiders' record at drafting, especially in the first round. The Raiders have been kind of cursed. Uh, as of late, picking in the first round, like I mean, literally people, oh, yeah. Jamarcus Russell, killing people and stuff. Right? Was that his name, Jamarcus Russell? Yeah, I'm not even talking about that. That's no, I know you're not. A long but... time ago, but uh, there was the year they they had like three, they had like three first round picks. One of them killed a guy. Who? Uh, the receiver from Alabama, driving drunk. Oh. And then another guy who got cut for doing other crimes or something. And, no, I actually yeah. heard stuff about that the that receiver. That um, why why am I blanking on his name? Henry Ruggs. Henry Ruggs. That yeah, he's uh, in jail for like a decade. It's a bummer too because I, I there was a quote about uh, that uh, I saw actually literally like within a month ago about um, uh, what Nick Saban had to say or something like that that said you know it was a bummer because he's like that kid was was never you know was good at Alabama wasn't a bad kid never got in trouble, and he said one night you know they say you know it's not the cool thing to take your friend's keys but he said. One night, if his friends would have just been like, or someone would have been like, hey, like, you know, you can't drive or give me the keys. It's like, that could have, you know, you're, just, you're like, I wonder would he, you know, would he be upset at you? He might be upset at the time, but would he be upset now? It was the way he said it that was like, it was a good way because it is true. It's like, we've all been there before in our time, in our lives where it's like, you know, somebody's. No, I could say I haven't been there. I haven't been driving over 150 miles an hour. While that's driving. not the point though. That's not what I'm getting I, at. I know. I'm just saying. His, his case is way crazy. There's a reason he's in jail for a yeah. decade. It wasn't just a one bad night. So, yeah, 
But I'm just saying, like, the, but my point is that before, you know, like, you can't say you haven't, you know, you've been, been around people where it's like you want to take their keys or you don't or to do or like whatever, or like times like that is what I'm getting at. Yeah. But yeah, the, the, the big bad part about that. Uh, also, pick, a dog was killed in that car, also. Was it? A woman and yeah. a dog, yeah. Um, you know, with a, for, from a football perspective, the real bad part for the Raiders is that uh, C.D. Lamb, I think, was clearly, among most people, the number one receiver that year. Yeah. And they passed on him, and you see C.D. Lamb is one of the best What if it would have been C.D. Lamb instead then at Top Golf that, that night? Yeah, in that car. <laughs> Maybe he was hanging with the same people. But yeah, no, I. it's a tragic nonetheless. But yeah, the Raiders, uh, what draft pick do you say they have this year? Do we even know? I think like eight or something. Okay. What I mean, this team needs a quarterback. I'm sorry. They, they, yeah. I mean, that'll be for later news as the season, as the... You know, off season and draft day comes up, which be here before you know it. April, end you of know, April, will be three months from basically today ish. I feel like it's Tom, always. Let's go draft, draft an Easton stick. I'll, I'll, I'll be willing to let it go. <laughs> you can have them. Um, but yeah, we got we got some uh, other hiring news. The Titans got a new coach. They hired someone. They hired Brian Callahan, uh, the Bengals' offense coordinator. Um, and I believe his I dad is Bill Callahan. It is. And I was actually, he's act who is actually, they said still the, it's the Browns offensive line coach still. Right. So they were saying it's kind Former of interesting. Raiders like, will coach. he hire, will he be able to get his dad over with him? Yeah. It was like when Lane Kiffin convinced his dad to leave Tampa Bay for the USC and it worked perfectly. But if that. you were his dad, would you want to leave Cleveland to go to Tennessee? I don't know. Cleveland seems like maybe they got something cooking over there. Yeah. I don't know. But uh, what, what do you think, though? Is this, I mean, because the Titans fired Vrabel, who I thought was good. I mean, is Callahan an upgrade from well, Vrabel? I mean, I, Maybe to think, what they're trying to do. I think Callahan got this job because, remember the last five games of the year, Jake Browning came in and looked real good. And it's like, well, what's That's going true. on here? And this is like, obviously, Jamar Chase and, and T. Higgins helped. Joe Burrow did look good his first, you know, the year, yeah, he, yeah. you know, last season. So it's like, no, you're probably onto something there. Maybe uh, he's But I think the Vrabel thing, guy. it seemed to be that, Vrabel was too much of the dominant personality when they hired a new GM and had the, the yeah. owner's daughter had now kind of taken over um, as like the main owner there. And it's like, well, he's too strong a personality. Reminds me of the Lakers. Yeah. I mean, that this stuff happens where it's like, well, that guy wants to be the guy in charge. And it's like, you're, we want to be in charge. Um, and then the last, last thing I have here is just Harbaugh question mark. A lot yeah. of reports that he was meeting for the Chargers for a second time today that it's like, well, it's a done deal. They just need to sign it. Nothing yet, so we'll see. Maybe tomorrow they'll do a press conference. Um, and we don't know what kind of uh, staff he'll have. They haven't hired a GM yet, um, so I think they were waiting on uh, waiting on Harbaugh to uh, probably pick his own GM. Um, he's also probably going to pick his own. Well, he will pick his own staff. But uh, talking about fathers and sons here, one of the rumors is that uh, Harbaugh's son will be, you know, on the staff. How old's his son? He was like in his twenties or what, something. What has he done? I think he was the special teams coach. Where? Michigan. Michigan. I saw so that, I that stuff happens all the time. Listening to something today that talked about too, how like, you know, people could be like, hey, well, Harbaugh doing all these interviews and stuff, like it's throwing off like recruiting and all this stuff, yada, yada. And they were like, that guy just won you a championship. He can walk around with his ring and be like, I can do whatever the fuck I want, <laughs> which is true. I mean, New Michigan can't, you know, he brought them the ring and now they can, uh, he can go on to the NFL. And I think uh, we've said it for a while and I still do believe, I think the LA is where he's going to land. And I think that could be, that will be, I think, hopefully exciting times then coming up in the near future for the Chargers if that does end up being the case. But we got to still focus on teams that are still playing. So we're going to get into the divisional round here first uh, with the first game, Baltimore Ravens versus the Houston Texans. Now, did you watch all four of these games? 
Yeah, I did. Yeah. Okay, good. I, I I actually watched three of the four. I didn't get. I watched some of the Packers Niners. I didn't get to watch too much of it because I was actually at a country concert that evening. But uh, Houston and Baltimore. Um, yeah, Ravens looked close in the first half. About as close as it can get. Ten to ten. <laughs> Don't can't get much closer than a tie score. Uh, and there was a stretch at the end of that first half where I was like, uh oh, man, is Baltimore in trouble? Because Texans were moving the ball and they had a chance to kick a, or they did kick a field goal right before the, uh, with about 40 seconds left in the half and missed it. And then it just, see, it was a tale of two halves for Baltimore. Lamar Jackson came out second half and just, they were able to just do what they wanted. They were using a lot of clock. They were moving the ball efficiently. And, uh, yeah, they go on to a 34 to 10 victory. Um, any uh, takeaways from you from this one? I mean, they definitely look like the best team, which I guess is yeah. a little spoiler for the rest of the slate here. But uh, yeah, really, really impressive that Lamar is is incredibly frustrating to defend because what are you supposed to do? Like they have enough receivers now to, to make plays and just like those little plays where he runs and has still as the threat of passing. It's just, yeah, I can be like Josh Allen who ran past the line of scrimmage and then still was a threat of passing. Yeah. <laughs> That play was pretty funny, but we'll get into that, uh, I guess, at the end. That game, at least. Uh, the next game here, uh, San Francisco 49ers against the Green Bay Packers. Now, this is the one I didn't really get to see too much of, so you're going to have to probably take the load on this one. But I think the Packers, I do. I did see the first quarter, I know, and like I think a good, decent amount of the second quarter before I had to leave, but I did not catch any really of the second half. But, uh, man, Green Bay played them tough. I mean, I didn't see the fourth quarter at all, so I know that you know Green Bay was up by uh, a score of twenty-one to fourteen going into the fourth quarter, and uh, they did not hold on, unfortunately. But uh, is there any is there concerns then here for San Francisco, or is that just shaking off a little rust? I know Debo Samuel is questionable. There, there, I'd say there are concerns. The concern, yeah, that's that's number number one is that uh, I think they need all their guys to really be the best offense they can so be here. They said this year with with Debo Samuel in the lineup, they were ten and one against the spread and one and five. Mm-hmm. Uh, against the spread, and that's just the spread, not just you know winning games. Like that means they're yeah. when they, I mean, basically what that means is when he's in the lineup, they they kick ass, like they they meet their expectations and some. So huge loss if he doesn't get to play this weekend. So that was one of the reasons I think they struggled. The other reason was the rain, pouring rain in San Francisco. Uh, Brock Party really had some trouble throwing the ball. Uh, a lot of overthrows, a lot of low throws, uh, some done things that should have been picked off that weren't. Um, but yeah, going back to the. Uh, Green Bay had a 21-14 lead. It's like, oh my God, the Niners are going to blow this. They're they're the best team and they're going to blow this. Um, interception from Jordan Love on a, I think it was a tip ball. Uh, Niners still don't really move the ball off the interception, but able to get a field goal out of that. Um, and then another big play in the game was Green Bay up by four, can kick a field goal to go up by seven, you know, force the Niners to, you know, get a touchdown just to tie. And uh, the rookie kicker has struggled all year long, missed, missed the field goal here. Um, big, big moment for him. And then after the Niners score the go-ahead touchdown. How Jordan far was Love, that field goal he missed? It was like 40-something yards. It wasn't, wasn't that long. 41-yard field yeah. goal. So that's really – that's like an 80%, 85% make rate. Yeah, I mean, so, the extra points, what, 33 yards or 34 yeah. yards or something? Um, but then after – yeah, after the touchdown drive, it's when the Niners go ahead. Uh, still time for Jordan Love to do something. I think they had all three timeouts, and he – uh, threw a terrible interception, throwing across the field uh, after running run right and throwing left. And it's like, you didn't need to do that. You could have thrown the ball away and tried, uh, you know, they just needed a field goal to tie. So it was like, in that situation, I think all three timeouts uh, with a minute left, I think there was definitely no reason to panic and, and try something crazy. And they yeah. kind of blew it. But uh, I, 
successful season for Green Bay. This is better than I thought oh, they would do in this better. in this game. Um, you know, I kind of said that the Niners would put up a lot of points, but like I said the rain and Debo Samuel definitely affected them. Um, but they did just. I think the concern is that we know Brock Purdy is not for real in the sense that now we're getting down to it. He's not better than the guys left that he's playing against here. In no, my mind, not. of the four quarterbacks still left, he's the f- number four. No, I would agree. But he that. has the best stats. But I think we all know because he he's might good. have the best team around him. Too. He's good, but he's also actually not as good as the other guys. And I think probably a distant, not a distant fourth. I'd say uh, distant behind the top two guys. Let's say. Oh yeah, Mahomes uh, and Lamar. Which yeah, we'll um, to- yeah. But that's that's the issue. Is is in a game that they the Niners defense plays poorly, and and one of the other teams puts up. Points is Brock Purdy going to get you? Will you to thirty-four points or something? I don't know if, if you can do that. Especially Green Bay is the worst defense in the field, um, probably. Um, although this next week might be—he's not facing a, a good defense either. Uh, but we'll get to that. Um, so ne- the next game here, the other NFC game, Detroit Tampa Bay. This was on Sunday. Uh, this was a, a, a ugly game to start. Um, Ten to three with like a minute left. Detroit was winning. I just didn't – it was what I predicted, where I said Tampa Bay's defense seemed to be playing well. They could stop the run uh, and then get pressure on the quarterback. And I don't trust – I still don't trust Tampa, uh, Baker Mayfield, um, even though Detroit's defense isn't great. And I think I was, like, vindicated through the first uh, what's that, 29 minutes of the game, 10-3 uh, to score. Uh, but Detroit allowed a uh, touchdown drive, 10-10 to going into the half. And then from there – Detroit scored like every time down the field. So they ended up, uh, yeah, putting up three touchdowns there. Um, Tampa, you know, I mean, it was, it was close. I mean, like Tampa answered a score after Detroit scored and then the Lions pulled away, went up by two touchdowns and, uh, Tampa had a chance. They, uh, got the down 14. They got the first touchdown. They went for two, which is, they say it's what you're supposed yeah, to do. According to the math, the yeah. The math checks out. Um, they did not convert. Which and was it could big. have been a pass interference call too, but they said Evan should have kind of sold a little bit more and like actually like went for it, and then you could have seen because the guy didn't have his back or had his back to it to the ball. So yeah. we haven't gotten to what our picks were, and I think we we will. But it was big for yeah. gamblers because uh, Detroit was a six and a half point yeah. favorites. If if Tampa had converted that, it would have been a six point game. Mm-hmm. Instead, it was an eight point game, and uh, Tampa did get the ball back. Was and, not able to score. Yeah, similar to Baker, Jordan Love. Yeah. About two plays in, he throws an interception as well. Um, but yeah, that's um, Buccaneers again, another team who we can say a little shocking to see them still as one of the final eight teams left this season. I don't think uh, a lot of people had Tampa Bay to be one of the final eight uh, left this year. So good for them. Good for Baker, I guess. You know, he had, a you know, 350 yards, three touchdowns, but two picks, including the very big one. His first pick, not his fault, right through the hands of Mike Evans. And it was picked off by uh, the cornerback there. But, um, yeah, and then down to the final game here, which was, you know, probably the one of the, probably the most ex- one of the most exciting games of the week. It was the it was definitely the marquee game. It was, yeah, uh, definitely the marquee based game. on the history and who was playing and who was dating who and that kind of huh. stuff. All whose brother yeah. recently retired, all factored into this game. Yeah, and uh, speaking of that, the Kelsey did show up this game. Seventy five yards, two touchdowns on five catches, and yeah, the Buffalo Bills fall short to the Kansas City Chiefs at home, twenty seven twenty four. And they had a clutch missed field goal, too, there at the end. Also roughly around 40 yards or so. 
That one was a little harder. Uh, very cold there, and I think it was and like forty six. You could see the way it was when it was kicked. How it just then just rocketed to the right. Like it was rough conditions, but you know, of course, unfortunately, the kicker's the one that gets all the blame for it. You know, a lot of people don't aren't blaming the fact that how Stefan Diggs dropped. You know, a 60-yard pass that was right in his hands that a receiver of his caliber should have definitely come down with. It was a great throw by Josh Allen. and But who knows what could have happened. You know, I say even if he makes that field goal or even if they score a touchdown there, they were still going to be giving the ball back to Patrick Mahomes with a couple timeouts. And we know, we've know we all seen that story before. So who knows? Yeah, it was, uh, you know, f- football's hard. Like we're trying to manage all these things at once. Uh, but yeah, where the game kind of went wrong was on that final drive. They have a first down around the 25 or something like that with two minutes to go. And you're in your mind thinking, well, we want it. We could tie it with the field goal. Or I think they were at, they were at like 29. Yeah. So they were, they're in field goal range, but it's a tough field goal. So you want to, you want to get some yards, but also you want to get a touchdown because you want to win the game, but also you want to use clock because you don't want to yeah. give. And it's all this stuff went through and everything went wrong. Yeah. Uh, first play goes for one yard. So they don't really get anything. Uh, and then the second play, Josh Allen has what should be a touchdown. Oh, yeah, just a weird kinda, throw. Kind of gets hit on the throw. But they were even saying uh, that. And if you do look at it, like Chandler Jones got in there a little bit, but he did get that throw off before he contact got made with him. So I think it was just a yeah, poor it's, throw. It's, it's hard to tell, but then everyone's like, well, what, what happens? You score there, and now the Chiefs have hey, well, a lot of time Having left. the lead, though, is better than kicking. <laughs> yes, yeah, so of a course. You take, you take the touchdown if it's there. Um, but then on third down, when I think you got to be thinking it's third and nine, you do want to convert. But you kind of want to also try to get a few yards if you can. Maybe throw something underneath that guy can run for a first down. Uh, ends up just being incomplete. You know, you're stuck with the longer field goal and, and, and it misses. And uh, I think what is frustrating about this whole thing is like this was the year the Chiefs were beatable. Yeah. Uh, not everything that they did this last offseason worked out. They clearly have some problems on offense. They still have a great offensive line. They still have Travis Kelsey. Rasheed Rice is, was a good pick for them. Good rookie mm-hmm. receiver. I like Pacheco um, too. He's he went and from yeah, Pacheco tough. from a couple years ago was a good pickup. But their offense is not nearly as talented as it used to be. Um, they're deep, but their defense has stepped up. But I think they're still they're still a step below from what the best version of Kansas City was, and they still got by Buffalo. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think the reality is this is not the best version of Buffalo either. A ton of injuries on the defense. Yeah, this team uh, was three to one to make the playoffs in November. You know, yeah. what I mean, just to make the playoffs, let alone the fact that they won their division and got, you know, this to the AL. I mean, wow, the AL, huh? Yeah, the A, AFC uh, divisional games. Because there's a point in this game, the Chiefs were moving the ball at will. Uh, another big play in this game that maybe we wouldn't even be talking about this. McCole Harbin fumbles, reaching out, goes out oh, of the back of the end zone. I'm glad you reminded me of that because that was also the plays that happened two plays after the Buffalo Bills decided to do a fake punt, which they did to DeMar Hamlin, which, I mean, you know, you get all the people out there that make fun of like, you know, the NFL being rigged and like the script and stuff because of all that funny stuff. But I mean, a play like that really did seem like there was some sort of script like, oh, let's hike it to DeMar Hamlin. He'll get this crazy first down on this crazy decision to make. And everyone will be like, yeah, DeMar Hamlin. And it's like, no, instead you got stuffed and got lucky that Hardman fumbled out of bounds after Pacheco ran it down to the two-yard line. Yeah, so that kind of kept the game alive for Buffalo. But Oh, yeah, that, they um, could have slit their – Chiefs could have just slit their throats there. I mean, it is, it is frustrating. There's a lot of, lot of conversation about Josh Allen. A lot of, lot of good years now without, you know, only one conference championship appearance, no Super Bowl appearances. Uh, but it's just, it's just tough. I mean, there was stuff yeah. people like – there was a – I think it was Emmanuel Acho, which I hate this guy. He always says yeah, I don't like most hot either. takes. 
But he said Josh Allen, we're finding out Josh Allen's more like Peyton Manning or more like Philip Rivers than he has Peyton Manning, which, of course, is a, a shot to me. <laughs> and um, I, I talked about it this weekend. Like, Philip Rivers played 15 years, made the conference championship once. He made it in his second year as a starter and then never returned. It, football is tough. Yeah. Um, but then everyone, point, only get one chance. everyone pointed out that at this point, Peyton Manning, or this point in Peyton Manning's career, the same years that Josh Allen's been a starter, Peyton Manning was a choker who couldn't get past the Patriots and always lost in the playoffs. Um, and I remember those days. And then he didn't. He won in the playoffs, and then no one really talked about it. He went to, to four Super Bowls. Uh, so, you know, long career still for Josh Allen. But um, it is it is rough for the Bills, especially with the, uh, you know, their history. Now, I hope everyone who uh, was alive to watch those four Super Bowl championships, they're all dead now, I think, right? Because, I mean, Buffalo seems like a hard place when to live. When was that, early 90s? <laughs> yeah. I think it was 89 to 92 or something like that. Four trips, no rings. So, uh, All right. Well, we have the matchup set for this weekend. Well, let's do our picks first, Our our reviewing our picks from last okay. week. Because um, it's important to keep score here. So uh, we both picked Baltimore, uh, seven and a half, and that, that hit. So I think it was good sign for a good weekend, right? Um, mm-hmm. And then uh, Niners, Green Bay. We bolted over 50 and a half. Well, if that guy knew how to kick a field goal, we would have won unless guy, there was a safety. Yes, if that guy kicked a field goal, we would have had 24-24, assuming the Niners tied it as well and would have guaranteed. Yeah. Uh, you said unless there was a yes, safety. Yeah, which weird shit happens. Um, but, but, yeah. It, it, I didn't know Debo Samuel was going to get hurt, and I didn't know the rain was going to be like that bad. So, yeah, that's my defense. Uh, and then the Detroit game, you picked Detroit. That's true, because we do just fire these picks off, like, on the I'm, spot. I'm not like, we're not doing any... Uh, but, yeah. but even then, I didn't know the rain would be that much of a factor, even if there is rain. Uh, Detroit, uh, you just took Detroit, six and a half. I took under 48 and a half. That's what I was talking about. That uh, good, the low-scoring first half kind of betrayed me there at the end. Um, yeah, I think that the first half is exactly what I thought the game was going to be. And the second half just, just wasn't uh, Detroit you know, really dominated there. Uh, and then we both picked Buffalo minus three, which uh, you know, didn't didn't happen. So... Uh, one one and three for me, two and two for you. We're both two and five uh, in the playoffs. So, well, there's three games left at yeah. least. So, so here's the thing. And here's I, I was gonna say this too. Like, well, I guess we might as well just pick again this week. Mm-hmm. Just do two games. But uh, when the Super Bowl comes around too, I think we've done this before in the past. So we'll do it again. Uh, give out some fun prop bets too, because that's always the best part about the Super Bowl is like to bet the fun props. But uh, that'll be obviously a yeah. couple weeks more away. But uh, so here's the thing: I was 12 and 24 in the, in the regular season. Two and five is a worse percentage. So I'm just this bad. It, it's it's really hard to be this bad because it is a coin flip. At the end of the day, these yeah, are coin spread. flips. Yeah, uh, they're supposed to be at least. And and the fact that I this bad is impressive. Hopefully, someone's noticed this and be like, <laughs> oh, I'm betting against all of these. It's funny you say that because one of my bets I wanted to do this week was solely based off the fact that I don't want it to happen. So that's why I was going to pick it because I'm like, well, I've been losing too. So, but um, yeah, should we just dive on in? We got the noon game on Sunday. Uh, the Kansas City Chiefs. At the Baltimore Ravens, um, I guess you know this is tough. I don't even know what to pick. I hmm, trying to think how I think this game will be because I could see this being low scoring. I believe both these lines have moved uh, by half. Yeah, I think Baltimore opened at like three and a half or three, and then went up to three and a half. Now they're at four. You know what? I'm gonna go weird here. I'm gonna go with the under of forty four and a half because I feel like. What I saw Baltimore, Baltimore wants to move the ball like, you know, 
controlling. I think both these teams are going to want to control the clock. And both teams have good enough defenses that they can make stops at times. So I, I do think this will actually be a, a lower scoring game than people maybe think you would expect from Ravens Chiefs. So, yeah, I'm going to take the under here. I'm going to take Baltimore minus four because I, I do think they've demonstrated that they are better. Well, this is what I hope happens. So I hope they do win. I don't want to see this continue to see the Chiefs. It is interesting because you probably don't want to see Baltimore win either. No, but, this is you know. no whoever wins the NFC game is who I want to win the Super Bowl. Yeah. I don't give a sh- I don't care who it is. I don't want neither. I don't want either of these teams to win. But I I like the Ravens currently more than the Chiefs because let me tell you something with the Chiefs. The thing I don't like about the Chiefs is it's like they lose Tyreek Hill and stuff, and it's like last year it's like you're thinking okay they're not gonna be that good. They win the Super Bowl, and then this year it's like okay well now they're really not that good, and they even have to play a playoff ga- some playoff games on the road, and now here they are a win away from the Super Bowl, and it just. It's just so annoying because it, it reminds me of when Tom Brady with New England. It's like they, they'd be these teams that you didn't think were that good. And then they just, unless it's my favorite team, I don't like to continue to see a team just dominate, especially when a team that's not even that exciting. I don't know. I'm torn. I hope all four of these teams yeah. just actually, you know, I, well, I mean, like Detroit. What, what's interesting is like, so the Chiefs have won the division like eight straight years. And um, I know when you win the division, like. 10 straight years, like, you're not supposed to win the Super Bowl every year. You don't win the championship. No. Because, like, if you're, like, the L.A. Dodgers and you just keep winning division titles, you only get to win once. They only allow you to win one World Series. It's interesting how it works out. Uh, but the NFL has already allowed Chiefs, too. So, that that should be the most. Well, hopefully we don't see a third, but yeah. you never know at this point. Uh, and then the last game here, 3.30 on Sunday afternoon, late, mid-late afternoon, we got the – I almost said – I almost just said the Miami Lions, which – I don't even know like where that would have come from, but the Detroit Lions at San Francisco. And you know what? I'm going to take, tell me here, I want the Lions plus seven because first off, I want them to win. And also, I just feel this passion from Jared Goff that he's like, he's got unfinished business. He lost in the Super Bowl a few years back. He's got unfinished business. And to what you said too, Brock Purdy just... I just don't think he's that great. And then also, I just know a lot of annoying Niner fans, I feel like. And then on top of that, I think... Debo, if he doesn't play, and even if he does play, we know he's being played banged up. It's he is way more important to that team than I think a lot of people realize. And I realized it because I have, you know, him and had him in fantasy, and he just can make them do a lot of different things. And he's the big weapon. And then I think if you're Detroit, I don't know, you know, I think is you're gonna have to if Debo doesn't play, all you have to do is worry about just shut down McCaffrey and then. You know, force the other guys to beat you like Ayuk and Kittle, which, you know, they're good players, but Debo helps out a lot. So I'll take the Lions getting a full touchdown. Well, I'm taking uh, the opposite here. I'm taking the finals pick or my Super Bowl pick. Oh, that's true. Uh, and As you should. Yeah, I think I think it's, this game will be they actually will win big this time. Yeah. I mean, if you have to, we'll see what happens. I think I, I agree. I think it'll be one of two things. I think Detroit. I think if Detroit covers the seven, it's because they might just win this game. Or I do could see San Francisco it being like 38 to 13. And you're like, well, that was fun. <laughs> but uh, it'll be another fun weekend regardless. So I think uh, I think that'll wrap us up, though, with the NFL talk until uh, next uh, next week when we will actually have a Super Bowl preview for you guys. And then before you know it, this beautiful season is done. Yeah. Yeah. I'm ready for it. I think I kind of am too. I'm a little burned out of football, to be honest. I never thought those words would come out of my mouth, but it's one of those things that then when it does, it gets to that point where like the sun's out longer and it's July and then you're like, they're reporting to camp. And then when preseason football starts, it is just such a great feeling. But for now, I'm okay with it. They know what they're doing. Done. All right. Well, 
I think that'll wrap us up for episode 360 of the Tony Steak Podcast. I'm Sean, and joined with me, we had Off-Road Andy. Thank you. And Tony Katz. Yes, thank you for listening. We'll see you later.